Well, we have a prop up here tonight. I normally don't do the prop thing because I just, I have trouble enough with the microphone. <laughs> so we'll see how it goes. But the title of the message tonight is called, What's in Your Manger? And it comes from, well, this particular message came from Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. And I want to read it to you. It says, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. You know, when I think about Christmas, there's so many different aspects of Christmas that come to my mind. When I think about, you know, we just finished surviving the holidays and a lot of people literally see Christmas as trying to survive it. And, and I understand that, uh, because as we get through the message, I just want to talk about a couple of things. And I, and I'm, my goal in this is to just give you maybe two points to apply to your life that may help you in whatever aspect it is that you may be in during the, the Christmas season. Now, as I'm looking at this verse, I think about how things come and go, right? We can't wait all year long for Christmas to come and then we don't spend a lot of time enjoying it because it comes and we, we, you know, next thing you know, it's, it's here and it's gone and we look back and then we can't wait for the last Christmas, the, the next Christmas, or we're looking past at the past at other Christmases that we've had, right? As kids, you know, every year I tape all the shows that I have on DVD for some reason. Uh, like Rudolph and Frosty and Charlie Brown and I Love Lucy Christmas special in Technicolor, you know, and It's a Wonderful Life and Miracle on 34th Street. How many of those are part of your childhood or younger adulthoods? <laughs> you know, as I think about these things, I always look so forward to seeing this, to watching these shows, and I don't end up watching them. I just see them on the DVR and it makes me feel comfortable. <laughs> But when I think about this, we follow traditions, right? Families change. Sisters and brothers come and go, right? There's a new boyfriend or girlfriend at the kitchen table with, with, with the cousin, right? You're buying a gift for someone you don't even know. You just know they're showing up to your specific party. You're passing, passing mashed potatoes to some guy you've never met before. Is it just me and my family or is that you as well? But some also have horrible experiences growing up. Christmas is a reminder of the dysfunction of their family. It's also a reminder of what wasn't there in your life. And I was, as I was reading the Christmas story, I began to think about some things and I want to share it with you tonight to enlighten maybe your perspective. For me, Christmas sort of morphed into a painful time for my family after my dad passed away. And this message had came out of that processing a couple of years ago. And I, and I just want to share it with you tonight. What we need to understand is that life is truly about perspective. And that sometimes it can just be a word from God that can completely change your perspective. We, we call those a rhema word, right? You know, I have a present that's here tonight. And it's, it's something that somebody made. And I also have the, a manger. It's supposed to be a manger. This is one of my dad's creations. He would always create these things. You might, it might just look like a small house, but it's, it's a manger. <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll understand that in a minute. And so it, this thing lights up, obviously, but it's, 
for me, this thing was, it, it represented everything that was Christmas for me. Okay? This is a way that it helped me to understand this. Now, I know the right answer is always Jesus is the reason for the season. And we all know this. But for some reason, memories and family experiences, even though we know these things, tends to try to cut the line in our life and move ahead of the reason. So I'm not talking about what it represents or what it's supposed to represent. I'm talking about what it represents to us. It makes, sometimes when you think of Christmas, it'll make you actually want to cringe, right? You, you see Christmas coming down the pike and it just, it just maybe can, tends to bother you. It reminds you of the absence of your childhood. Maybe you had a mom or dad that wasn't around. No matter what it is, this represents your manger scene. Your manger scene, what's going on in your life. For some of you, it may look better than it did before. You might have a new addition to the family, right? You might have had a child or a grandchild or whatever. And your manger scene looks amazing this year. And praise God for that. We all have a manger scene. Christmas is here. And many times we we shift into just the earthly mindset of Christmas and it triggers pain. This time of year brings the stress of getting the right gift, right? <laughs> Right? <laughs> Maybe it's just me. Or keeping that tight schedule. Or Ambassador Caffrey traffic. All of these things are good except the traffic. But if you keep your eyes on those things, you can miss the joy of Christmas and it can come and go. And it's just like something that's sitting on your DVR and you never watch it or you never enjoy it. So what happens when things come and invade your manger scene? Like the death of a loved one, or the loss of a job, or family turmoil that comes, or maybe a rift in your family, and now you have to try to avoid certain sides. Maybe a sister or an uncle that you were once close to, and now it's a, their, their presence is a, is a mere pain. Things like this, figuratively speaking, can cause the light to go out of your Christmas experience and the joy of the season. From my personal life, I, I can't help but think of my dad every year during Christmas. He was literally the Clark Griswold of my family. He was the ultimate Christmas citizen. And you might be that in your own family. And you might be the person that is always trying to decorate everything and you aggravate your kids and your grandkids or your wife or your husband. But I can assure you, if you're that person, your family will miss those aggravations that you bring to the table during that time. He, my dad was always making some new Christmas monstrosity. He was always making some, like he made me this big thing, big, big thing like this house with lights and snow and glitter and a fence that doesn't stay up anymore because the glue has fallen, and he was like, bring this to your office, and he wants me to put a big tree up, and like the tree wouldn't even fit, and I'm like, dad, I can't do that, I got to counsel people, and, but he was that type of Christmas guy. However, one year, I did get into the Christmas spirit. I want to show you a picture. I did this to my office at another job. We had this Christmas, uh, this Christmas uh, decorate your Christmas office 
and we were trying to do all, all kind of things. So I brought in a fireplace. I put in a big tree. The tree didn't fit in the office. Uh, I, I had Brandon and his children come over. Shannon and I bought them gifts. And we, they, we, they, so they went around in video and everything. So I had like made them like got in their pajamas and wake up like it's Christmas morning and I'm sprinkling snow on top of them. Yeah, this all happened. Bought them real gifts, not like just fake gifts. Uh, then I went to another scene where I had a rotisserie chicken and I had two co-workers come in, act like they were mad at each other and mad at me and I was the father and I called them into the office and we had Christmas dinner and I still lost. <laughs> so I'm just saying my dad was alive during that time, but I was in the, the Christmas spirit or the Griswold spirit. Let me just say that. And then after a while, after my dad passed, it didn't feel the same. It didn't look the same. I didn't want to have anything to do with lights and all those things. And some of you here may have lost mothers or fathers or sons or daughters. And Christmas is a silent sting. I can remember after my grandmother died, my dad would tell me, Kelly, Christmas just doesn't feel the same. And if you lose one of us, one day you will you'll see what I'm talking about. You know, and I, let me just share with you. Do you mind if, we normally go heavy into the Bible on Wednesday nights. Can I share a little bit with you? Maybe it'll just help me. Maybe it'll help you. I don't know, but we'll see where it goes. We used to leave my grandma's house on Christmas Eve. We, and, you know, yeah, it would be around Christmas Eve. Sometimes it was the day before Christmas Eve. And we would leave and we would go in front of the shadows. You remember the shadows? Have you been, the shadows? Where there was a place across the street and they had this Santa Claus that was up there and it would do this. And I mean, I couldn't wait every year. It would just rock back and forth. I, in my little Christmas junior Griswold mind, that was Santa Claus. He was here only to see me. He wanted to check on me, make sure how I was doing. And we would pass and then we would end up going to Bougainville Plaza and they had this giant, what seemed like a hundred foot Christmas tree. You'd remember that if you've been there. And for some reason, my mom and dad had worked out a deal with Santa about leaving me a Dr. Pepper every year under the tree. So we would go there and I would have this big coat on with this little itchy hat, right? You know what I'm talking about? And so we would go and we would sit. We, my dad would say, come on, Kale. And we'd walk and it'd be cold and we'd have to walk around this tree, walk around this tree. And he'd be like, let's see if Santa left you a... Uh, Dr. Pepper, and I'd be like, oh, man, I love Dr. Pepper. You know, as I'm walking around excited, and, we, you know, for some reason, I never would see it the first five or ten laps around the tree. <laughs> I know better now. We would, he'd never walk with me. He'd, 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 look, he'd act like he was looking, and my mom was looking, but really they were just setting me up. And then one year, as I was getting older, right, I mean, like a, a boy, like a, a growner boy, growner, I don't know if that's the right word. But apparently we were leaving my grandmother's house and they decided to start blindfolding me. And then we, we would stop at this store and it always smelled like fish. And I would always hear the, I didn't, they, they would blindfold me and not tell me where we were going, but I could put the, you know, I'm older. I don't know. I'm probably 11, 12, 13, like, yeah. Getting older, and I would pull up, and I would smell the fish. I would hear the bell. I could hear people talking. Apparently, 
Larry forgot to buy the Dr. Pepper. And in my mind, this thing was coming from the North Pole, which was in outer space somewhere. <laughs> yeah, not as I got older. I kind of figured it out. But then we would get there, and then we would walk around, and my dad would be like, come on, Ken. And I'm like, I know, Dad. I'm coming. Let's see. Where is it at? Oh, I don't know. You know, so you get older, and what, like I said, those things could become aggravating. But I would start to remember. You know, I think about that every year. But as I got older... He always wanted to keep this tradition going. But eventually, when you have a beard, you can't do that anymore, right? <laughs> but now there's no tree in that spot. And Dr. Pepper is now fattening for some reason. And those days are no longer here, you know? And then as we got older, you know, like I said, I grew up into a man. A couple years ago, we would build this Christmas village. And so, once again, my dad started investing in Christmas villages. And so this Christmas village would be so big, I mean, it was going from one room into the next, under the tree, around into the living room. And when we would take vacation, I would take vacation, and we would do this, and we would set it up. And I remember during that time, my dad was battling cancer, and we would always say, in this village, there's no cancer. There's no sickness. Everybody's happy. And then Shannon and I were dealing with miscarriages during those times. And so we would go to the store and we would buy a bunch of little kid statue things and put them all over the village. I mean, they were unsupervised. <laughs> We'd have roads and trucks and it's like they could slide. Look, we would put the truck right here like they're just missing the truck. I mean... But it was full of children. Those things mattered. Those things made Christmas amazing. My dad would take the glue gun and put glue everywhere on cotton. I mean, imagine that. It looked like cobwebs everywhere. So, but here's the point. If I keep making Christmas about those things, it will always be painful every time it comes around. And honestly, it came to a point where I didn't even look forward to Christmas, and God began to deal with me. If we keep the forefront of our mind that Christmas is mostly about family and memories, those things are gifts from God to us. But the most prominent gift is that the fact that we celebrate our Savior, which is Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world, who left heaven, and descended into a manger to die on a cross for you and I, to live a perfect, sinless life, and to bring peace to each and every one of us. And in, in, instantaneous, well, I'm sorry, I don't know how to say that word, but my dad also died during Easter. It was Good Friday, he died on the Saturday. You know, so like the devil is just like, hey, these great moments in Christianity, take this. But isn't it just like the devil to try to get you to dread something that is so powerful? That's what really made me say, you know what? I cannot go in the ditch when it comes to Christmas or Easter. These are the two of the greatest acts of love that we celebrate every single year. And we have to refuse to attach any type of pain to the miraculous power of Jesus Christ in our own personal lives. 
But we don't get there overnight. We don't get there without processing. You know, we don't get through stuff. We don't move necessarily on through stuff. We learn to live in and live in stuff. You know what I mean? You, you deal with pain. You deal with grief. But you learn to process that in a healthy way. And it's still there. Right? It's still there. You still think about your, your daughter who passed or your son who passed or your, you, that's still there. But we learn how to process it emotionally, spiritually, and we keep the main thing the main thing. See, this is, shouldn't be a time where we regurgitate pain. We regurgitate life and love and we, we begin to build everything around the truth of the, of Jesus Christ. I want to read something. You know, you might have something going on in your manger scene, but I want to read part of the Christmas story because we see the story in the manger scene, but I want to talk about what led up to it, okay? Matthew 18, I mean, Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 25. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to marry Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you shall name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message to the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. So um, what I wanted to talk to you tonight is look at the turmoil that led up to that faithful night. You see, we celebrate Christmas, and we may not be in the most ideal circumstance. For them, it was a time of transition, new circumstances, new life happening. I'm sure they did not plan their life out to be starting their marriage off in scandal, right? There's a lot going on here. And I want to give you two thoughts with Joseph and with Mary. Let's look at Joseph first. His wife is pregnant, and he knows he's not the father, and he does not need Maury Povich to tell him that. There's a period of time in which he has to process this information, and that life as he know it is completely changing on a dime. He and Mary would look scandalous. Think of his reputation. Think of the trust factor that he must have questioned at first with her. He obviously was discouraged, right? Viewing this as turmoil. His life is now spinning out of control. And the angel appears and calms his fear by telling him, Joseph, this is a God thing. Paraphrase. You see, when you dwell on the Lord's hand in your situation, hope can spring up. And that's not cliche. That's truth. So point number one is Joseph. For Joseph, it took courage. Obviously, this wasn't ideal, but he focused and embraced what God was going to do with Jesus. Side note here, the scandal of their relationship with Jesus brought scorn, would bring scorn, right? It's scandalous. 
what your relationship with Jesus may bring scorn. Your relationship should change your reputation. Sometimes people won't understand what's going on in your life. They don't understand why all of a sudden you have peace. They don't understand why you don't want to do the things that you used to do. Life takes some getting used to, but it's the new normal. And his promises are there. I'm saying when your manger scene changes, keep your eyes focused on what doesn't change, which is Jesus. Think of Mary. On top of that, I just mentioned Joseph. Think about her. She's told that an angel, by an angel, that she would have a son and he would be God with us. The thought of God becoming a human being to a Jewish mindset was the most ridiculous, unimaginable thing. Literally, she could have been stoned for adultery and blasphemy. But an angel spoke to her and gave her instructions. They were to name him Jesus and he will save their people from their sins. He is Emmanuel, God with us. We have it up here. He became God with us so we can be with him. That's the beauty of the birth of Christ. For no, number two, for Mary, it took faith. She responded gradually. Faith happens that way. Think about it. She had to get used of this new way of life. Think about it. When she was first told in Luke Chapter 1, verse 34, she says, how can this be? I'm sure we would say that too if we were a woman going through this. But when something invades your manger scene, you may say, what am I going to do now? How are we going to celebrate Christmas now? How are we going to move on from this now? Adjusting is gradual. Believe that it is God's will to heal the, the sore that, that a loss leaves in your life. He is going to be with you as you adjust to this new normal. That I can promise you. Then she accepted it. She says, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled. She's not saying I understand it fully, but she's saying I'm trusting and I'm accepting. Once again, when your manger scene changes, shift your focus to Jesus. Both of them did the same thing. When you keep your focus on what is first and foremost, and that is Christmas, about Jesus coming to this earth, redeeming me from my sin, to close in the separation that is there between me and God. And not only that, he's here to give us life and life abundantly. See, once again, don't let the gift of people in memories take the place of the gift of Jesus. Out of the love of Jesus, out of the, your position in Christ, let the family and all these other things be. But don't let, don't let, don't put the cart before the horse. Always keep your mind focused on what Jesus is, is accomplishing at his birth and would fulfill at his death. So no matter what it is, when you start to follow Christ, it takes adjusting. When circumstances come, it takes courage and adjusting. No different than Mary and Joseph. We receive him as Lord and we also apply his promises and then we walk them out. And this is the last point, point number three. Yes, but how? The life application. Colossians 3.2, once again, set your mind on the things above not the things that are on the earth. Listen, this is exactly what Mary and Joseph did. They kept their eyes 
on what God was doing. They didn't sit here and listen to everything that was going on around them. They had gotten the promises from God. God said, the Messiah is coming through you and, and they, they, and the Messiah will save their people, which is you and I, as well as the Jewish people, from their sin. When you think about God, it's a supernatural thing. So here's the crux of the matter. If our faith is birthed in the supernatural, meaning Jesus coming to this earth, why should I not expect a supernatural outcome in supernatural things from God? And you could take that on Christmas Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. There's no reason why we should not expect the supernatural from a supernatural God. That's kind of God's thing. Right? That's what he does. Backs against the wall. Watch this. Water in front of you. Watch this. Moses the stutterer. Pick that stick up and walk on dry ground. That's what God does. And so when I think about whatever problem is, is coming down the pike or here in front of me, it is up to me as a Christian, as a believer, to say, I'm not going to stay in the negative of it. For some kind of way, I'm going to try to adjust my perspective to the godliest perspective that is the truth of what I need to put into my situation. If somebody is sick, I... I can just go to God and I can expect the supernatural, right? But if that does not happen, I can expect God to still do something miraculous, to glorify himself and be with the family and, and draw the family closer. We can always expect the supernatural from God. I think we get away from that in our, in our, in our, in situations in our lives because weariness wants to creep in, right? And you're situ- I've been praying about this. I've been praying about this. And the devil comes and starts chipping away at your faith. Yeah, but God didn't do this. Yeah, but God didn't do that. Expect God to move. You know, the last couple of times I've been up here, we've been talking about prayer. And we've been talking about expecting and miracles and all of these different factors. That's part of the DNA of the kingdom of God. And, and that's just not some religious trite saying. That's a fact. If you read throughout the Bible, it's miraculous after miraculous after miraculous. And if it's Old Testament, it's miraculous. If it's New Testament, it's miraculous. And at the end of the day, it's miraculous because we go to heaven. These clothes stay here and we soar to kingdoms on high on streets of gold. And it's going to be amazing. That's supernatural. You cannot jump from this place to the next. Amen. So when it means to set your mind, this is what it's saying. Deliberately take your thoughts that are destroying what you're seeing or how you're feeling. Deliberately take your thoughts and set them on the promises of God. It's a purposeful choice. You see what's going on. Like, I'll give you an example. This helped me tremendously. You know, every year, Christmas is a reminder that I don't have a child to wake up, right? So in my mind, when I go there, the truth is I have children in heaven rolling around on the ground probably with my dad. That's the truth. You know what that does? That instantly pulls me out of how I'm feeling. And I'm not saying you get there immediately. That took some time. But I choose to not sit 
and wake up and, and not, you know, feel, be in the mully grubs. I choose to say, you know what? This is what it looks like, but this is the truth and I move on. And you do that in every situation. You're not setting your mind on a good thought. You're setting your mind on the truth that is. Right? If you lost a loved one, they're not here. They believe in Jesus, they're in heaven. No matter what bad situation, where, where your mind goes with them, I miss this, I miss that, I hear a song. It wants to put you in depression. If you listen to that, you'll want to get in bed, put the covers over your head and stay there. And I understand that, that's part of processing. That happens. But eventually, when you know that they went to be with the Lord, and you start thinking about them breathing in that crisp, heavenly air, looking at Jesus Christ in the face, walking on streets of gold, touching pearly gates, walking into a mansion, no pain, no sorrow, no sickness whatsoever. Sickness does not have the audacity to step place in the kingdom of God. Let's just say that. You go into this, this mindset of truth, not a good thought. You're, you're combating what you're dealing with, with truth. But you have to know the truth, right? You have to know the truth. The truth will set you free. The knowledge of the truth will set you free. Set you free. So rather than focus on the magi bringing gifts or the animals in your manger, speaking of, I'm going to bring some, I'm joking. <laughs> we don't have any animals back here. And listen, those things are real. People, when you lose people, it is a real situation. So I'm not being tried. Believe me, I'm walking through this. But keep your eyes focused on the center of the manger, which is Jesus. Now, this manger scene is dark. It represents all of my memories, everything that Christmas is. And I was literally trying to find a little baby Jesus from the 80s that you put the light in the back, but it wouldn't have fit in my dad's thing that he made. But somebody had made my mom and I, this thing, and has some lights in it, and it's wrapped. And this is why I'm, I'm just sharing this with you. Like I said, it's not an in-depth Bible study thing like we normally do. Just kind of wanted to share this with you. But my dad built this, and this, my dad would always wrap all the gifts, right? He would wrap his, he'd try to wrap his gift. He would try to wrap everybody's gift. And I thought about that when I was looking at this some time ago, and the light was off. And when I turned the light on, it just reminded me. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to get this to die for you. Believe me, I don't want to be make as if, but <laughs> this represents so much for me because my manger scene may not look the same, but when I shifted my perspective on what was the most important aspect of Christmas, everything else just fell into place supernaturally for me. And I just want to try to encourage you with that. So I can stand here a couple of years later between the rocking Santa Claus and the tree and the Dr. Pepper. And I can really honestly tell you, for me, Christmas is still the best time of the year. Because it really is about the birth of Jesus. Yes, I like watching all the TV shows and all that stuff. And I like going visit. And, but for me, I, I bear down on the reality of heaven. I bear down on the reality of Christ being born, living a perfect life that I could not live, literally walking that out in my place, and then dying for me and giving me his life. 
Amen? Now, you might be facing sickness, a cancer diagnosis, or you might be dealing with something that has changed from last Christmas to this Christmas, and you might be in a transition of any sort. Listen to me. And I'm not just telling you this for the mind's sake. He is still Emmanuel, God with us. He is with you in the hospital room. He is with you in the chemo chair. He is with you in that dark room where you lay in depression with the light shining forth. You just got to reach out and receive that, right? When the scene changes, when, when Joseph and Mary are being ridiculed and looked at and talked about and whispered about, they kept their mind focused on the one in the manger. Listen, everything else that Christmas is, I love it. I love the lights. I love, I love everything. I, I mean, Rudolph is cheesy, man. Have you seen that? I'm like, I used to, I remember one time my dad punished me from watching Rudolph. And my nanny who is in here tonight, remember, I remember her being so mad at my dad because my dad kept the TV on and I had to put my face on the wall and I could hear it. <laughs> so I made sure I was going to buy it on DVD, Blu-ray, tape it. I mean, I'm not missing this again. But it really is cheesy. So let me ask you a question. What are you doing this year to keep your mind focused on Jesus, the true light of Christmas? Is he even part of your personal manger scene? Are you more fixated on the gifts, the visitations, the activities around the holidays? Are you focused on what's not the same, what you have or don't have, Who's there and who is not there, which I, I'm telling you, I understand. I understand. And this year, I just, I'll share with you. This year was the first year I actually put up a village, and I'm going to show you a picture of it. You might think it's cool or not. And we put a little present there, and I didn't go all out. I just put, like, it's a heel. But that present for, for, for my family just reminds me, number one, of Christ. Number two, of my dad, because he used to wrap these gifts Let's go to the next picture. Put the church there, which is family life. It don't look like it, but. <laughs> and, and we also have a little Chewbacca, Doug, Star Wars. Just He's always kind of in the background looking through the trees, which is really creepy. <laughs> Let's go to the next one. And that's it. We put trees all around it, so it looks like a forest. So, well, But I'm telling you that, literally, my mom was like, you want to put up a, 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 a village this year? And I was like, yes. Let's, let's do it. And we, we took the time during, you know, after Thanksgiving and we went all out. And I really didn't think I would ever do this again. So I'm just telling you, I'm literally walking this out. That's why I'm not telling you some fortune cookie nonsense. I'm telling you the God's honest truth because it's in his word and his word is always there. It's the way that you choose to see it. And if you choose to see it the way God wants you to see it, you can be healed. You can walk through no matter what it is that you're going through. So I want to encourage you tonight as we close. Keep your focus. Your, listen, not your thoughts. Not just, oh, Jesus died. Keep your focus, whatever you're going through, on the fact that Jesus lived a perfect sinless life for you and I. And then one day, all what's troubling us is going to fade. It's going to literally dissolve. And everything that truly matters we will look at it in the face for all of eternity. It's really a simple thought process. This is a simple message, but I'm telling you, if you can really get this, I'm not saying it will fix you. I'm saying it will help you process. There's a verse that we constantly stand on, and I quote it every single day. 
He will never leave you nor forsake you. That's true in every situation. You might be here in turmoil, just like, just like Joseph and Mary were in turmoil leading up to the, the manger scene. But listen, even when the manger scene cha- changes or the situation changes, you can stay anchored in Christ. Amen? Now, Jesus came first time as a baby in swaddling clothes, and he is coming back, and he's going to split the sky open, right? And he's going to take us to be with him. And he is our savior. He is our king. We sing about Silent Night and all of those wonderful songs. And so when I sing those songs, man, they just want to turn the waterworks on because it, it means so much more than when it, when, than what it used to. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer doesn't bring tears to my eyes anymore. <laughs> Every song about Jesus brings that to my, my heart and my mind. So I want to ask you two things tonight. You may be in your manger scene and you don't have Christ as part of it. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want you to simply slip your hand up and say, you know what? This Christmas, I'm giving my all, my life to Christ. And I'm going to pray a prayer with you. And I know it's Wednesday night and I know a lot of you are already saved. But if, if by any chance you do not know the Lord as Savior, I just want to give you an opportunity to receive him into your heart and your mind. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody in here is born again. Praise you, God. And you may be here, and it might be a hard time for you. I pray that this message or any of the truths that were brought out here helps you just a little bit on your next step in your walk with Christ. Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for Christmas. Lord, we thank you that you left heaven to be born of a virgin, to walk a perfect and sinless life for us, Lord, individually, and for us as a community. And God, I thank you that you hit the nail on the head. You lived a perfect life. You died and rose again. And Father, for that, we are eternally grateful. And Lord, no matter what comes down, the pike in our life, we have the assurance that we are children of the Most High God. Father, I ask right now that you'd begin to heal hearts, that you'd begin to heal minds, and Father, that you would allow your people to experience the majestic power of Christmas, maybe like they've never experienced it before. God, if there's those that are hurting this Christmas season, God, I'm asking that you would invade their manger scene with your healing power and you would carry them through their journey in their time of grief, sorrow, or joy. It's in Jesus' name we pray and ask. And the church said, amen and amen. Well, that's it. We appreciate you coming out tonight. Praise God. Listen, if you need prayer for anything, we'd love to pray for you. We'll be up here, okay? Good night.